You're listening to the Hello C.S. Dorsey podcast, episode number six. I had the pleasure of interviewing the author of Pinpoints of Light, Escaping the Abyss of Abuse, April Tribe Juke. And let me say, I was so thrilled to interview her on today's podcast. April Tribe Juke is the mother of nine children, is a published author, empowered speaker, writing coach, and ghostwriter. She empowers women to move from trauma to truth and darkness to light by helping them uncover the heart of their story and share it boldly through writing and speaking. She also helps victims become victors through the key role that supporters are in their lives. She speaks nationally, helping supporters to narrow their gap of fear that limits them from helping and empowers them to understand their role in helping victims to become victors. Without further ado, here's April. Tired of staring at blank pages and don't know what to do? Or you completed your manuscript and now what? My name is C.S. Dorsey of HelloCSDorsey.com and I coach writers and authors with the writing and self-publishing process. I wrote my book in three months. Yes, three months. It took dedication, discipline, and time management. After three months of writing and three months of editing, I submitted my book to tons of literary agents who said no or just didn't say anything at all. So I went to my best friend, Google. My goal is to help teach and motivate writers to take that leap to become a self-published author. It will be a dream come true. Please introduce yourself and tell everyone about you. Okay. Well, my name is April Tribe Juke, and I'm a mom of nine. I have kids with special needs, um, autism, and some kids who are deaf, and then kids that are all in between. Um, I'm a writer, and I've written my book, Pinpoints of Light, which is my memoir, our story about how we left an abusive marriage, and we, meaning me and my first five children. Um, I am a full-time teacher currently and do my writing and ghostwriting kind of, you know, as (laughs) part-time, but it feels like more full-time because that's so much fun to do. So, <laughs> um, we really enjoy going and speaking with groups and what I like to do, depending on the group I'm speaking with, sometimes I'm speaking to teachers, sometimes I'm speaking to parents, and sometimes I'm speaking um, in an advocacy role mm-hmm. uh, with um, anything that's dealing with domestic violence. And for the most part, I focus in on a group that is kind of the silent majority and they are the friends, coworkers, mm-hmm. and family members mm-hmm. of somebody who's being abused. Um, for the most part, they want to try and help. They want to try and do something. They really just feel stuck. There isn't like a class or a course for them to take to know right. how they can best help. And so I'm like, you know what? I can help you on that. And just from my situation and my experience, I know how valuable they were in helping us to leave. Yeah. So um, that's a little bit about myself. All right. So uh, I like to do random questions. <laughs> what was your favorite toy growing up? My favorite toy growing up was the record player 
I know. Record <laughs> <laughs> player. <laughs> I could put on any of those records and we just we would do story after story after story. And I we had a little playroom and I would just fall into the story and, and act it all out and, yeah. and absorb everything about it. It was just incredible. And in that playtime, it really allowed me to have a great imagination to mm-hmm. think about uh, now, today, I, of course, I can put all these words to it with imagination, creation, creative writing. Back then, I was just in play. So. Right. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I... I remember my favorite toy and it's so funny that I'm actually doing the um, doing the career that I love so much with that toy and it was a cash register. Love cash register and money. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I work at a credit union right now. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, record player. Wow. I have one too. And yeah, I, it was like way past my my time, I was born in the 80s, but I had one too. And I'm like, whatever happened to that? <laughs> <laughs> so <Great> funny. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your book. I really, I really enjoyed it. I just wanted to let you know. And it was certain parts of your book that I was completely teary-eyed because it kind of reminded me where me and my mom was in a particular point in a particular place in our lives and I don't want to give out too much information of the book I want people to go buy the book and go get it and listen to it but it was just one part um where it was a scene where he had uh he had a a gun and and everyone was pretty much in the house and he was pointing the gun to to you the kids and everything and I had a complete flash of when my dad was got so upset with my mom and they were arguing back and forth and he had a hanger and he was like I'll kill you or I'll choke you with this hanger and I was just like running out the the how like the we was in a hotel at the time running out saying call police call police so that scene kind of like took me and I was just kind of like so teary-eyed so could you talk a little bit about that particular scene and what that felt like? Well, it was the the lead up to all of that piece was really, really interesting. And this will probably sound strange, but while everything was happening, I was still feeling very calm, like like somehow we were going to make it through. I didn't have a sense of loss like oh no and that sounds terrible because all of these awful things were happening but I felt somehow we were still protected and I did have a question raised to me once of like why didn't you run why didn't you call 911 why weren't you screaming why all those things and honestly all I can tell you is that I felt the spirit just to say to me just stay calm and so I did and it was kind of like he was he was fishing for for a trigger, fishing for me to take a bait to take. Right. A bait. And so, um, you know, it started off with some strangling, and then with the gun, and then with the knife, and all of these things. And I just had that 
that feeling of just keep calm. Mm-hmm. And it, those were the things that were going through my mind. It was just a minute to a minute. I didn't feel a sense of complete loss or out of control. Um, I did at a different point, but at that particular point, I knew if I just did as the spirit prompted somehow, I mean, it was in the hands of someone else. And I was just like, here we go. And I will follow it. And I'm really glad that I did. Yes. Yes. That type of news story, if you know what I mean. So, yes. Yeah. Wow. You, I want to tell you that you are an amazing woman. You are an amazing woman and to go through all of that and still keep your faith in God and people don't realize how important it is to, to have that relationship, that connection with the Lord. You cannot do it by yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can try and be strong. You can try to be Miss Mighty, but you have to have the Holy Ghost in the presence of the Lord in your back pocket, in your corner, on your side to go through that. And um, you are an awesome woman. I just want to let you know, how did you do it with, you know, with three kids? It was three, three of your boys, right? That was uh, diagnosed with autism. Yeah, my three boys with autism and my two daughters. So there were the five of us. Um, honestly, so like I took my marriage vows and the covenant that I made there very seriously because right. I felt like covenant with the Lord. And so I thought that the things we were going through were the trials in marriage, the, right. the downs. And because we would have these cycles where he would repent, get better, stop using drugs or pornography. And right. four or five, maybe even six months of like, it looks like we've turned the corner. And then I'd find myself pregnant and then the downward spiral would happen, the stress right. and all of that. So, but, but each time we would kind of rise up out of it, just like a cycle. And on those, on the places when we would rise, it was truly like a hook of hope, this hope for him to, okay, now he's going to go back to the way we were right. years and and I could feel that he was definitely trying. It was, I'll kind of back up. Well, I'll jump over here for a minute and then I'll come back to this. Okay. So abusers in two ways. Abusers are either hunters mm-hmm. or they're caged animals. Right. And uh, a hunter is somebody who grooms, who um, hunts down their prey, who tries to capture, who tries to lure them in, who wears the camouflage, right? They do everything to get their target, to get their prey. Somebody that's a caged animal um, does not know, are you there to help them, to hurt them, to help them, to hurt them, to help. And this panic and this trigger is happening, but the result is the same. They're going to strike out, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever. It's the, the end result is basically abuse. So why I say that is in our cycles, as we would go up again, I, he would start to trust me again, thinking, okay, she's here to help me, here to help me, here to help me. Now, he was dealing with severe mental illness that was not medicated and treated. And when you have real people in his mind that he could see outside of his mind, like stand right next to me, and he would be having conversations with them while I'm standing right there. They were so real and tangible, just like a beautiful mind. If you've ever seen the movie, it is just 
like that. So as he was fighting and dealing with that, we would have these cycles and they would be pretty good. His voices, his mind friends, is what I call them in the book, would be quiet or they would be quote on his side. Like whatever he was thinking and doing, they would support that. Yeah. Somehow, somewhere the trigger and the panic and the anxiety would start. And then they would start to feed his thoughts, which is really strange to think of a brain with two other mind friends in there feeding the same brain with crazy thoughts. It's, it's no, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. They would feed to him. Are you sure you could trust her? Are you sure? I don't know. And they would just start to quote undermine him and our trust. And then we would go down in another cycle again. So in the covenant that I made in my marriage, thinking, okay, these are the ups, these are the downs, these are the ups, these are the downs. And when we're going up, you know, maybe he'll start to get better and feel better. Maybe we can get some medications. Maybe we could, you know, really find good help with the doctors. And, and that's the trick because when they're feeling good and staying mm-hmm. up, why do I need help? We're, yeah. we're so- and then once they fall past that piece and go back down, they're too sick or that medicine's going to poison you. Look, she's trying to get you. Look, she's trying to manipulate you. And then you really can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what was, what was the process like writing this book? I mean, did you, of course you'd have to do any research because you lived the life. So it's kind of like, okay, we're just going to type, type, type. But what was that process like getting this, getting the book together and basically putting everything together to formulate this book now that's uh, pinpoints of life escaping the abyss of abuse? So for me, the writing process had three major chunks. I had always written in journals and was able to put a lot of what I felt, what I thought in those journals. So I took pieces from that and then I did what I call, um, how do I say this in a good way? I'll just say um, cleaning out the closet. We'll just say that. Mm -hmm. So emotionally, I had to take everything that was in my quote closet and throw it all in the center of the room, so to speak. I had to have every single thing there. Now, I didn't have to organize it. I didn't have to clean it up. I didn't have to throw anything away. I just needed it all there. Right. So once I put it all in one gigantic pile, and this is what I help to teach with my, um, like when I'm teaching um, and coaching my, my authors, the writers mm-hmm. that I help, once I got once I got to that point, I, there turned into kind of this third area where I started to, you know, toss away, clean up, and basically I built an outfit. Mm-hmm. I built the structure of quote an outfit, complete with you know I'm I'm air quoting here, a scarf, the right slacks, the right blouse, the right blazer, you know, like I built an entire quote outfit which then became the book and the outfit, all those pieces, the quote, scarf, boots, slacks, all that. Yeah. Stories. 
that were in that big, big pile. Mm-hmm. I had to say, you know what? I could write a story that said, and then, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Right. I-, I will kill off my reader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I took, um, I took those pieces of the structure, knowing that there were some in-depth pieces that will definitely be in the book. And then there were some that were even darker that I did not put in the book. And because I, I felt that I needed at the end and towards the end to give everybody a lift and a rise mm-hmm. and true hope that you can make it out. Yes. So that's kind of the structure of how I went about it. Okay. Wow, I didn't think of it as a thing. We really broke it down like as a complete outfit. I'm gonna have to use that. You know that I'm gonna use that, right? Yeah. <laughs> tips. yeah. Oh my goodness, it's so funny. So what uh what is it that you want to let people know that are that are listening right now? Like, what is, a, what is your mission, your overall message that um, you want to let others out there know that's going through the same thing or possibly at the edge of kind of leaving the situation but keep getting pulled back? What is it that you want to let them know? Okay, two main things. There is hope out there that you really can get out. You have to make the plan, build yourself your the network but there is true absolute hope that you can do this the second is to open up and have the real conversations about domestic violence right using the statistics using the things that we have within our own community to really shine the light on it because this is one of those it's the most preventable death that happens in the world 80 7,000 women are murdered every year, and almost 87% of that happens within their own home. So it is the most preventable death. It's just, it doesn't need to be. Then there's other statistics, like one in four women are in an abusive situation, one in three worldwide. We have the 87,000 who are murdered every year. There are um, $9.7 billion are lost by companies every year because of lost time at work. They're at the hospital. They're in court. They um, are late for work because their partner hid the keys from them. That's an actual statistic. Can you believe it? It's just, wow. And the one statistic People kind of nod like, oh, yeah, that's okay, yeah. And they usually start to say, that's over there. Yeah, that's down the street. That still doesn't touch me. One in four, mm, maybe. But then when I tell them this statistic, the room usually just falls silent, which is every mass shooting that has happened in the United States of America since they've had to keep track of it was caused the underlying, the main, um, we'd say the common denominator is domestic violence. Not mental health, it's not mental illness, it's domestic violence. They were either in it, experiencing it as 
a youth growing up. Yeah. Of it. So hang on a minute. That 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 does that just shifts everything for just a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Because when those things happen, as tragic as they are, suddenly people look up and think, well, wait a minute. That we thought it was mental illness. Now Personally, I think anyone that does that has some mental illness struggles, but they don't have the label. They don't have the diagnosis, so they can't put that in the statistics. Yeah. What they can do for this, which is, unfortunately, which is domestic violence. And so once we have that open conversation and we start to say the war that's happening on all of this is happening within our own homes. Therefore, we need to strengthen each individual family. It doesn't need to be legislated from, you know, from D.C. This has to start within our own home, within yeah. our neighborhoods, and to find the health and strength that way. That's how society's changed. Is when you heal the families, then the next generation doesn't perpetrate. The next generation doesn't perpetrate. Then it just starts to heal itself. Right. A lot of work, though. Meaning... We really have to make the commitment to say, this is what a family is, and this is how, as a unit, we can do this. It's not right. an thing. It's not, um, you know, if we start going into our selfish ways, it'll never happen. We are putting families from the sweet Lord. That's how we get here, yes. right? Yes. That's how it happens. And so we have to heal this from the family. And those are the two, those are the two things that I hope this book comes about. And um, I wanted to share one thing that I have a friend who took one of my courses about um, wanting to become a supporter because she had a coworker who was in an abusive situation. The coworker and her had built some trust together and she was just always there nice and steady for her. And finally that woman, she'd been suffering for over 30 years, decided that that's it. She's done. So the day she made the phone call to her friend said, I'm out, come, you know, come get me. I'm done. She went over there and on her nightstand was my book. And she said, I, after reading this, I had the courage. And she said, that's my friend's book. Oh my goodness. And, you know, I don't know those things are going to happen. Someone else does. That's where the Lord comes into all of that. So when I talk about writing and writing this book, it was not meant for for me. I know the story. It's meant for anyone else out there that needs the help, that needs the strength to know that there's absolute hope through your networks, through making your plan, that you can get out and stay out. You have time to heal. You have time to thrive. You have time to enjoy this beautiful life yes yes i completely agree and you you will know when it's time when the lord start opening up the doors so like in your book like everything just completely like opened up for you and it was just like boom 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 one after another and when the lord do things and when he when when it's his time to work or to act, he makes it easy for you. It won't be, you know, it won't be hard. 
And sometimes yeah. I'm like, it's, you know, it's, it's really hard. No, it's, it's really, it's, it's maybe hard here, but you have to see when the door is being opened, it's like, I got to hurry up and walk, you know, run through, not walk through, just run on through. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can talk about I can talk about the Lord and church all day long. But <laughs> it's about you now. <laughs> I will go on a serious tangent. Like, yeah, I have to stop sometimes. <laughs> and you're moved, you gotta say it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So what's next for April? What's 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 next for you? Exciting <laughs> news. Um my book is now in the hands of a screenwriter. I know. Gosh, that's yeah. amazing. Yes, this is definitely a God thing. And my, so this amazing woman, Catherine, she approached me and said, you know what? I think this is a project that I want to do. I've been looking for something and I feel like this is it. And I was like, Okay. And so we've been talking back and forth. We just signed a contract and the writing has started. Oh my God. He said to me, so what, what's your dream? What do you want? Oh, listen, mm-hmm. look, all the kids, they're starting to come in. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. No, my deaf one. So she's, yeah. She says, mom, can I have some cereal? I'm like, sure. <laughs> oh, she, she's a cereal girl. <laughs> I love my cereal. <laughs> I love my cereal. I have to have like once I have my cereal, I feel like everything is okay. <laughs> She'll have a little bowl of cereal. <laughs> um, so back to the screenwriting. So this was something incredible, and she said, "Well, what is your dream? Like, what do you see? What what's your vision of this?" I'm like, "Ron Howard is going to direct this." for sure hands down I know he will and she was like okay let's make that happen she didn't once say well you know that's kind of like a big reach maybe we no she was like okay now she in a few of the movies that she's written Ron Howard's brother Clint Howard been in and has requested to be in one of her movies and so I'm like that is really she says, yes, he has requested that. So maybe I can make a request for this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, no, it's not like I just randomly picked Ron Howard. Yeah. Truly, you read the book. There's a whole chapter about a beautiful mind in the book. So I won't spoil it. Yes. Yes. But the power of what happened during that movie that I talk about in my book, (laughs) I know through this movie, Pinpoints of Light, he will be able to visually capture the mental illness side. He will visually be able to display something for the audience to know the depth of what this is. It's not just a manipulation or like a narcissistic um, uh, relationship. This is something that went um off the deep end it just spiraled down and when i used the word abyss i meant that i had no feeling of a bottom i had no feeling it was just ongoing like the fall from gandalf right it just never stopped it just kept going and going and going 
And finally, when we first saw that, like metaphorically, that first pinpoint of light, that Mm -hmm. first point of hope in all this blackness, darkness that I had, I just reached and thought, that's the direction I need to go. And then another little light happened and another and another and another, like you had alluded to before, the step-by-step things just started to, to come about. Now I still had to act, like you said, I still had to walk through that door. I still had to swim through the abyss. I still, whatever metaphor you want to use, I still had to take the action 100% on faith to know that the end result was going to be the right thing. Right. No control, surrender it all and just go. And so once I saw that first pinpoint of light, I was, I was like, this is, this is how we start to get out. So that's what's on the thing. I'm so, oh my goodness. I'm so excited for you. Crazy. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. When I told my family, they were like, wait, wait, what? (laughs) Okay. So. Um, let me just, I'm um, just refresh. <laughs> like he couldn't believe it. I think he was just like, she said what she said. She, she said that word, right? She really said that? Like, yeah, it's true. It's really happening. Oh my goodness. That yeah. is so awesome. That I, well, now I can say, Hey, I read this book. It's now moving. And guess what? I know the author. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um amazing. We're we're doing currently a ten for ten thousand campaign where if just ten people buy the book and then share it with just ten other people and those ten people buy a book and share it with just ten people. We all know at least ten people. Right. So starting, you know, really methodically and if we just share ten by ten by ten. We'll get those 10,000 book sales and yes. that will help in, you know, a really good way to, to make good proposals and good pitches towards these next steps. Again, the movie is just like the book to give people absolute hope that you yes. can get out and to open up the hard conversations so that society really takes a look at this and we look at our neighbor to neighbor and within our own communities to know how can we strengthen families. Yes. That's, I feel that's what's been impressed on my heart and it's God thing and I'll, I'll roll with it. Yes. I don't have a timeline. We don't know anything like that because we're just in the writing stages, but eh, when you speak it out loud. Yes. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Trust me. I know about that. That is so amazing. That's amazing. So I know that you have a um, a promotional offer that um, you'd like to let our listeners know about it. So I just want to have you go ahead and explain it. Okay. Well, we have um, a few a few things going on. Well, like I said before, the ten for ten thousand campaign. We um, I'm able to offer um, a free book where you just pay for shipping and handling. Also, free audiobook. And I can send links or have links connected to you so that, so that those can be sent out. We also offer the Supporters Toolkit, which is that concept of really getting the family members, friends, and coworkers who know someone that's in abuse, the true skills, empowered with skills to know how they can help somebody that is stuck uh, and do it in a way that 
the person who's in abuse, the victim, has full control because they live in a place of no control. So the, the worst thing a supporter can do is to try to manipulate and say, oh, you got you to go now. Nope. Yeah. You're not being a supporter in that. that um, you've just broken the trust, which I teach very specifically in the Supporters Toolkit. Um, we also have opportunities for, for women who, once they are out, so many of them want to write their stories, share their stories, speak on the stage, anything like that. And so we do what we can to help them in those avenues and um, really coaching them to know how to best structure yeah. their story because their voice has been silenced for a long time and their voice is just as important as anyone else's and it needs to be shared. So we developed a, a program in which to do that with and we start them off with just a quick phone call and see what would be a good fit and some people need, you know, just a few hours of coaching and some people do a few weeks. It just depends on, on their needs. And that's, that's what we have going on. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> that's so awesome. So how can, where can people find you? My website is April tribe juke. That's G I A U Q U E.com. April Tribe Juke, um, same thing for Facebook and same thing for Twitter and Instagram, April Juke. Um, any of those places, my email is a little easier. It's april at apriltribe.com. Tribe is my middle name. It's actually my maiden name and I just moved it to my middle name when I got married. Okay. A lot of people, they're like, oh, that's so cool. Like you pick tribe. I'm like, well, I, I must have picked it in heaven because that's actually <laughs> my maiden name. <laughs> Well, I'm so happy to have you on today. I, I'm like, I was listening to the book and I'm like, I gotta finish it. Like, I was like, I gotta finish listening to this book. And I'm like listening to it in between like me helping my coworkers and breaks and lunch and everything. And I'm like, I have to finish, I have to finish. But um, thank you so much for coming on our, um, this podcast. And I cannot wait to see what happens. Like, I'm like so excited for you. And when you said that, I was like, ah, I'm like, I know the writer. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah. <laughs> Here we go. So we're just going to exercise faith and go for it. And anyone listening that feels like, you know, the, the best way to help that out is through the sales of our book. Yes. Because the more people that can know about it, the more that word just kind of spreads and then the excitement for the movie, the excitement for, you know, for putting trailers together. And my daughter was so cute. She's like, let's find an actress for who's going to play. You. And so we start looking at things. She's like, how about this, this one? And she's so funny. She's, she's great. She was like looking at all their, their work that they'd done prior to. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, write that down. I'm like, Oh, sorry. Okay. Run. <laughs> Yes, Miss Agent, we'll do this. <laughs> she's doing the casting already, huh? <laughs> and then she's like, Well, you pick the director, and I'm like, Okay, right. <laughs> down and let's do this. Oh my goodness, that's so fun. awesome! It's a dream, and to, and to set a vision, yes, to really see things come about. So, yes, it, it can be done. So, there you go. Thank you so much for tuning in today. 
Remember to go to hellocsdorsey.com and sign up to receive the latest episodes, writing tips, and more. Until next time, keep on writing. Take care.